This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Brought to you by East Coast Christian Center. Morning Breath starts now. All right, hello. Good morning, good day, and uh, good afternoon. However you're getting the show, thanks for uh, being a part of it with us. This is Pastor Brian. I'm sitting in for Pastor Dan today, and we're going to do some morning breath. We get into the Word of God, which we love to do and love to connect you to. And so, got a couple friends in the studio with me. I got Pastor Mark Cook across the table for me. How you doing, my friend? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for uh, being here and open up the Word with me. Yeah, I'm Sorry. excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited. So we also have a studio engineer over here, uh, Nick Clemenson. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Awesome, man. Thanks for all you're doing to make this happen. Appreciate it. And uh, you're making us sound good. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, we got Thank um, you. we got radio faces. <laughs> or at least I do. I don't know about Mark, but I got I got radio face, and we're doing it, and it's good. And uh, we hide behind microphones, but Nick makes it all happen. So thanks for doing that. We're in Mark chapter 6 today. Pastor Mark, will you tell them how to get on board with the show? What, what What's this all about? Yeah, we want you to join us. It's a drive-time devotion, sure to jumpstart your day. So we read a chapter of the Bible every day. We read it the night before. We read it the morning of, and we come down here to the studio, and we read it on the air and talk about whatever God's breathing on. And so the way you can know where we're going to be and where we've been is to get on the East Coast app and uh, hit the podcast button, and you can find the Morning Breath chapter guide that will have all the chapters that we're going to be in and that we've been in. You can also find the podcasts of the show there, and you can listen to uh, all the all the old shows well, going back uh, several months, maybe even a year. You can listen and get caught up and review some stuff. You can do that on eccc.us, our website as well. And, uh, of course, you can call us, 452-1060. That's our office number, and uh, we'll email you a guide if you need one. And while you're on our website, while you're on our app, you can you can uh, watch our, our services. You can jump over to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We're all over the place out there. It's the 21st century, and we're doing church. Yeah, we love some church. This is a, this is a, a radio show, but we are connected to a life-giving church that, that lasts, and we're doing services across our community. And we'd love for you to come to one of our locations or um, our online campus is thriving and is a great way to connect. And I would, we just love to, to, you know, have you come and do life with us. And maybe you're in a, in a life-giving church in, in our community or across the planet somewhere. Praise God, do that. Maybe invite a friend this weekend to come and to, to maybe watch online with you if that's what it looks like or come to one of our locations or one of the locations that you attend somewhere. The life-giving church, the, the environment of being in a community of believers, there's, there's nothing better. Amen. Uh, I've played with, I've, I've been a part of teams. I've, I've competed at the highest levels of all sorts of kinds of things, but the local church is better than any team you could be on, better than any workplace you can work in. It is, it is the thing that makes the world go around. It is the hope of the world, the yeah. local church. I mean, Jesus is the hope of the world, but it happens through a local Where church. Body. Yeah. And so man, get connected. If, if you feel distant, you feel alone out there today, I just say, just step in a little bit deeper. Get connected to somebody. Call somebody the day that's, that you know to be a part of a local church and go, man, I need some help getting connected. And get connected. And I know that's one of the things that Pastor Mark does does here around East Coast is connect people. He's, yeah. he's in charge of a lot of the connection pieces. And um, I know it's in your heart, but this is, this is something that is just, it's essential at this point in our lives and in the community that we live in and that season that we live in. We need to stay connected. Isolation and... Uh, it's a dangerous thing. And so you not only get connected to the Word of God, but let's get connected to some believers that got the Word in them. Well, and not to delay this any longer, but because you know, we need to get in the Word, but you know, you said important life-giving connection. Yeah. You know, you can be all over your, you can be all over your social media. You can be out there arguing with people about politics. You can be doing all kinds of stuff that quote unquote is connection, but it's not life-giving. Yeah, it's you need a life-giving connection. Yeah. You know, I think some of my best, my best friends are because I'm part of a local church. You know, some of my kids' best friends, because I'm part of a local church. The most of what I know and what I've grown to know um, that's good in my life is because of a local church, because of other guys that 
and gals that love Jesus and have taught me or trained me or equipped me or connected me to somebody. Think about my the best connections that I have in this world have come from a local church, honestly. And so I just we're preaching to the choir. You're connected to the show. You're connected to a, you know, to a radio show. You're hungry for the word of God. Thanks for doing that. If this is your very first time ever listening to the show, we don't always spend this much time talking about these things, but this is important, Amen. and this is something in this season that would be valuable to you. So let's get into the Word of God. Let's get into we're in Mark chapter 6 today. I have the New American Standard Translation. And uh, what do you have over there? I got the New King James. Right on. And I believe we have 56 verses, and so we are going to read, and uh, I guess we're going through um, verse 29. You'll read through 29. I'll pick it up in 30, Pastor Mark. I'll get you started. I say read, sir. Verse 1, then he came, I'm sorry, then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few people, a few sick people, and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, In whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now King Herod heard of him, for his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet or like, like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, the brother, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. Yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Verse 30, Mark 6, says the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that had done, all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. 
they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. The people saw them going, and many recognized them, and ran there together on foot from all the cities, and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and it is already quite late. Send them away, so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. And, and when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and, f- and of fifties. They, then he took the, the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples as set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up the twelve full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. There were five thousand men who ate of the loaves. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida, while he himself was sending the crowd the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and he, as he intended, and he intended to pass by them. But when they when he, they saw him walking on the water, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said, "Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid." And he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished, for they had not gained any insight from the instant of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. When they, got, when they had crossed over to the other side, they came to a land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. When they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and ran, at that, that, and ran about that whole country and began to carry, and to carry here and there all their pallets, of those who were sick, to the, place where their, to the place they heard he was. Wherever he entered villages or cities or countrysides, they were, they were laying the sick in the marketplace and imploring him, that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak, and as many as touched it, it were being cured. Ah, uh, men. Pretty, uh, pretty. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot going on. There's, um, there's many things in here. I guess for me, the, I, I guess I want to jump to just a section of the five thousand being fed. Um, and it's a, you know, this, this story has been taught. If you're, if you're familiar with scripture, you've been in the church a while. You hear this story of feeding the five thousand, feeding the three thousand. Like, there's these feeding moments in, in the, you know in uh in the scripture and they're taught and by the grace of God it's 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 an incredible teaching but I saw I saw this piece and I guess I wanted to you know talk a little bit more about the community the piece that uh, that we started talking about at the beginning of the show verse 40 says they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties and he took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up towards heaven and he did that could you imagine 5,000 people getting sat down into groups of hundreds and fifties how long that could take sure like imagine the the magnitude of going hey we're going to group you guys together and why? What? Why? Why not just have a big line and start feeding people? Yeah. You know, like what, what was the importance of that? Like what was happening in that moment? Other than they're going to break bread together, there there was going to be groups of people together, and I don't know why. I don't know all the inside and the outside of the of the hundreds and the fifties and how important that was. But I do know that in the mass of a teaching, uh, you know, 
we're we're a pretty large church at times. This is you know building we're building a life giving church that lasts. And you know here in Merritt Island at the Parkway Worship Center, we have 640 seats in our sanctuary. And during this COVID time, we've got you know every other row blocked off and all the stuff. And so maybe mass capacity might be 300 right now. But you put 300 people in a room and you give something away, and it gets pretty crazy. You know, like we've had a yeah. backpack outreach here where you know we do a kid explosion event. You know, in the summertime for I don't know however many years we've done that. This year we didn't do it that way, but we've done it. A bunch of times, and you put a bunch of people in a room, and you're giving something away, and it gets a little hectic, and it gets a little crazy. But Jesus said, hey, sit down with 100, sit down with 50s, and they're hungry, and they had to know something was coming at that point. And I just think, you know what? There's something in the moment to go, let's get into smaller pieces. Let's get into smaller segments. Let's let's not stay in the mass, but let's get a little bit closer together. And I just love the picture of taking the, the multitude and getting it to a smaller group and getting that to a smaller group. And in those connections and in that space, there is room for God to do some pretty awesome stuff. Amen. And in that awesome stuff, we see here that they were all fed and they were all satisfied, which is supernatural and crazy, yeah. you know, with just such a small amount of food. But that small amount in his hands obviously was more than they could ever, you know, yeah. fathom from the get-go. So, I don't know, I just like that. I like the I like the breaking the big into the small and getting intimate and getting close and in those moments I think some pretty, pretty radical things happen. So, well, I I think there's there's two cuz there's two extremes to that. Sure. Right? When you break into the smaller group, if if you're in the when you're in the crowd of 5,000, you can get lost in the crowd. Absolutely. And there's no no ministry can really maybe happen for you. Um you feel disconnected. You can be lonely in a room full of people. Uh, by the same token, if you're isolated, that's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, you know, James talks about that, that the man who isolates himself is he's drawn away and tempted when he's yeah. alone. Um, and so that's when you get ready to fall. Um, Proverbs says that when you isolate yourself, you rage against all sound judgment. So there's there's the danger of just hiding, you know, and we see that. We talk about that, you know, as a, as a lead team, you know, about people who are going to come to a big church building and they're going to sneak in and sneak out and not really connect. Yeah. And we want to give that, we want to create an environment. So you get it down to the the smaller uh, collection of people. That's when relationship can happen. That's when things can, you know, people, you know, we've we've had experiences in in groups, you know, like in freedom groups, for example, where you get the group smaller and people begin to let their walls down. Yeah. And then healing can happen. Yeah, and then good. ministry, you know, thing the the word of God can get into their life, and then they can begin to speak. And then then you start sharpening each other, and you start building each other up. And I just think. You know, as you were talking about getting the groups a little bit smaller, the extreme is being alone yeah. or in the crowd. Yep. You find that middle ground, and then the life change. It's yeah, just, and I guess I want to I want to make sure I balance it to go. Hey, you know, ministry can happen in the large and in the mass. Like sure. you can get, you can receive from God in powerful ways in the mass or alone. But you know what? I think better happens when we're together doing yeah. it, right? And so. Um, it's not that you can't or that you won't, but it's a, you know what, maybe you need to dig into that. And this is a land in somebody's heart today. And yeah. you'll go, man, I need to step a little bit more into that circle. When we get into a circle, we can look across the circle. We can see faces. When we're in rows, all we can see is the back of people's head in front of us, right? And you don't get, you don't build a relationship that way. We need to see face to face to be able to build relationship. And that's a, one of the things that I love actually about this show is that I can read the word and I could see things and I could talk about what I see. But then when there's something powerful that happens when you get together and you do it together, we also see that Jesus sent out, you know, he sent out the the 12 in groups of two. Like there was, okay, you go out in pairs, right? It wasn't like, hey, we're going to send you out alone to go do ministry. He intentionally sent them out in pairs. He said he summoned, verse 7, he said he summoned the 12 and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority of, over the unclean spirits. He didn't send one dude out to go do ministry alone. Like mm. we're not meant to go just go do it by ourselves. Like there is power when we get together and we do it. And, you know, I don't know. I, I've grown so much by hearing others alongside me or watching somebody. Like, think about the mentorship process that yeah. happens when you're, I mean, 
I don't know. I've learned some things. I've watched my dad growing up, you know, change, you know, something out under the sink even, you know, like, and, um, I'm six foot eight. And so me getting under a sink is not that easy today <laughs> to, to change something out of a sink. But I, I remember specifically one time we have a, we have a house in our community, an apprenticeship house where we have a bunch of young guys, five, six young guys they're living in. And, um, there was a time where there needed to be some plumbing done under a sink in that house. And Nick actually happened, Nick in this room happened to be living in that house at that point. And Nick was right there with the shop back, ready to go, like with a bucket. Cause when you take that P trap off underneath the sink, <laughs> you better be ready. It's coming, <laughs> something coming. Right. And what's coming. We don't know what's coming, but if it's clogged is all coming out somewhere. Right. And I remember Nick and I together under a sink, right? Like in the kitchen on our hands and knees, ready to go, ready to take care of something, you know, that there was a clog there and we were doing some work. And, um, I don't know what Nick watched or what Nick learned in that other than watch out cause stuff coming out. Right. <laughs> but he had experience in that, that maybe where there's no other way to do, sure. you know, a- another experience, Nick and I went on a, on a mountain biking trip in, to Moab, Utah. At one point, there was a small group of guys that went and we did some ministry in the morning and we got to mountain bike during the day and see some stuff and experience some stuff. And it was an incredible trip, an incredible journey that has left a mark in Nick's life. I think he could speak to that. Nick, do you want to speak to that? It was incredible. I, I, uh, lived my whole life pretty much in Florida and flatlands. And so going to a, a beautiful place like that it was it was definitely insane and being able to have that um time with a bunch of brothers yes yeah it was awesome and this is this was a time where as a middle school young high school i don't know how old you were at the time nick but you were probably a middle school early high school i was getting into high school it was like the summer before ninth grade yeah so we're talking 13 14 years old in an impressionable time we took a group of about eight or ten guys pastor david gammon and i and a a local ministry here went out to moab utah in the middle of nowhere it looked like we landed in jupiter right (laughs) like um incredible national parks there arches national park and canyonlands national park are there and there's some incredible sites but we went mountain biking which seems like well, there's not, we don't mountain bike here. Like I, I honestly don't mountain bike here. That's not what I do. Right. And Nick, I'm sure hadn't either. And there's challenges even in that, the three or four hours on a mountain bike. But what happens is you have synergy. You got a group of guys together doing some pretty crazy stuff. And then we would do life. We would talk about the gospel. We'd, we'd share in the morning. We'd have Bible study in the morning. We'd recap at night. We'd pray together. And it built some relationship. Many of those guys are connected to our local church still having been in a mass of a youth ministry of maybe 120 or 140 on a, on a Wednesday night at that point that now we have relationship and these guys have grown up. He's been part of this apprenticeship program. He is the engineer in this, in this radio studio sure. right now because of relationships that are built. And so I just, I don't know, I've, I've hammered that maybe enough. What, what has stuck out to you, Mark? <laughs> okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, something that jumped out to me, actually I've in my own reading time, I've been reading a little bit in the book of Matthew. Um, and I saw this the other day because Matthew chapter 13 really correlates with Mark chapter six and, and, a, and a lot of the events that happen. And something that I keyed in on, I've always kind of wondered this, you know, the, the gospels always dedicate a, a portion of scripture to this story of John the Baptist being, uh, being killed yeah. and the backstory behind it. And I've always kind of wondered to myself, what's really the point of including that? Yeah. yeah. Why, you know, are we, why is it what, here? You know, I mean, sure. It's, it's good to know that, you know, that's what happened, but what does it, what does it mean? What does it indicate? And I was, I was looking at that and actually in, in Mark, I think it's actually Mar- uh, Matthew 14. I, th- I said 13, but Matthew 14 talks about this and it says here, that after he was beheaded, uh, the disciples came, took away his body. And then it says here that Jesus said, come by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. And, and uh, Matthew, Matthew says that when Jesus heard about John's death, he went to a yeah. deserted place to rest. So it kind of, they see it from two different perspectives. But I thought, why is this important? Yeah. And it, it wasn't until uh, probably last week or maybe earlier this week that I felt like it jumped out at me. You know, John was the last Old Testament prophet. Mm. 
uh, we're reading in a book called, we're reading in a portion of the Bible called the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. We've got an Old Testament and a New Testament. And Jesus, what did he come to do? He said he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And John was the last Old Testament prophet. In fact, Jesus said, you know, of all the prophets, there had not risen one greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Yeah. So I think that the the magnitude of what happened and the reason this is in here is this is this is the end of the Old Testament. Really, John John's death is the end of the Old Testament and Jesus is ushering in a new testament and a new covenant and God is writing a new covenant for his people for us to relate to him um, not by works but by faith and I feel like just Jesus knew that his purpose was to fulfill the law and the prophets and I think when he when he heard of John's death I think the magnitude of that kind of was like he he heavy, went and yeah. sat. Yeah, I think it was heavy. Yeah. He had to go sit and just kind of, all right, I'm fixing to do this thing. This The period is at the end of this sentence, and we're, the, the new one starts right now. Yeah. And I just was thinking that's, to me, that, that just ministers a lot because Jesus is in the, old covenant, in the old covenant concealed. He's in the new covenant revealed, and we are new covenant Christians. And just this, to me, that's like, oh, that's the answer. That's why this story of John is in here. Yeah, I, I like the Jesus saying, hey, come come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. Like, yeah. I love the idea that Jesus likes rest. Yeah. Like, that we can run hard and we can do a lot of stuff. And again, this is a chapter, this is a chapter where there's a whole lot going on. It's like, busy. Jesus walking through life and, I mean, daily he was getting like, I mean, at the end of this chapter, they're saying that everywhere he went, they're laying down the sick and like, Imagine that. What would that look like today? Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere that you go, there's people just tugging on you to just heal this, literally tugging on just get to the cloak if I could just touch that garment. And it says everyone who did, everyone who touched it was cured, right? Yeah. And so imagine that concept. Like we see it as such this like, oh, it's just that story over there. But this this would look like here in Merritt Island, we would walk down Courtney Parkway and there'd be people right now as we were coming in to record this show there was a food pantry line out there of cars, right? Yeah. And those cars are lining up to get something. Imagine if they were lining up to get something from you personally. Like, imagine you live in a house, you live somewhere, and they're lining up in your neighborhood every day. Like, you come out of the house and people wait every day. for you. you know, like, yeah. think about that process. Somebody's always there. The demand, I don't think there's demand like that in our culture. Like, we understand it. Maybe some political scene or maybe some, like, I don't know, some superhero, some athlete or something. And if you're living in a you know normal community, that might be that way. But I mean, it is just the magnitude that's so big. And he says, hey, step away and rest. Yeah. That rest is not a bad thing. Rest is such a, um, almost like, how dare you like, you know, sleep. Like, you know, somebody calls you while you're taking a nap or something or you, you wakes you up in the morning. Where were you sleeping? That's one of the first questions yeah. somebody has. Were you sleeping? And what you're tempted to go, no, 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 I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> you know, because why? Because sleep and rest seems like you're weak if you need it or something. Yeah. Right. But man, we need rest. Somebody, I don't know at one point, but like a couple of years ago, somebody was talking about sleep and the value of sleep in, in, in your lives. And I actually heard it and I was like, you know, I always think, or up to that point, I thought sleep is like I get tired and I sleep, right? Like it's the end of my day. But I, somebody challenged me that sleep is actually the beginning of your next day. Mm. You're actually preparing for tomorrow when you go to sleep. As a young person, I always thought, man, I can, tomorrow's going to be tomorrow, right? I'm going to go hard. When I get tired, I'll crash and we'll do it all again the next day. But I recognize that actually when I go to bed, I'm preparing for tomorrow. Mm. Like I'm thinking about, I got to think about what's on my plate tomorrow when I go to sleep, yeah. not what did I accomplish today, right? Like You're checking your calendar for what, what do I got to get up to? What do I got to get up for, right? Yeah. But my sleep, if I'm crunching that sleep down so tight that I'm like barely getting enough, it's gonna, I'm going to pay for that tomorrow. That tomorrow's what I got on my calendar tomorrow is going to suffer because I didn't get good sleep 
tonight, right? And so I don't know, maybe that would challenge you to go, hey, you know what, rest isn't a bad thing. Like, and maybe you should be thinking about its preparation for tomorrow versus just finishing my day, you know? And so I love that my my Jesus says, hey, take a break. Yeah. Breaks are good. Well, in fact, we're going to take one right now. We'll Boom, be right back in just let's a couple of minutes. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Need a fence professionally done the first time? Hercules and Atlas Fence, owned and operated by Mike Green, has been certified since 1960. No job is too small or too big. Hercules and Atlas Fence, 321-258-9853. Or visit us online at ineedafencenow.com. Take this year with God at East Coast Christian University to truly understand why and how to continue your destiny and walk with Christ. Earn your associate's, bachelor's, and master's degree. Our instructors are experienced, helpful, and show a genuine love for studying the Word of God. East Coast Christian University is located at 670 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. For more information, our number is 452-1060, extension 131. And our website is eccuequipped.com. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hey everyone, this is Chris Johnson and I wanted to share some exciting news with our Morning Breath family. My friend Mike Green and I had the honor of writing and producing our first EP called Moments Matter. Mike, a local business owner and Morning Breath supporter, along with myself, have been a part of East Coast Christian Center and Morning Breath together for almost two decades. And so we wanted to let you in on a preview of the music and to let you know that Moments Matter, our first single from the EP, is out now. You can buy, stream, or share it now on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere music is sold, or check out willingheartmusic.com. We pray these songs will inspire you to make the most of every moment God gives you. East Coast Vieira meets every week at Vieira High School at 9.15 and 10.45 with a high-energy and dynamic children's ministry for all ages. East Coast Vieira Youth meets every Sunday night at 6 p.m. For more information or to learn more, our website is vieira.eccc.us. Welcome back to the show. This is Morning Breath. Pastor Brian was talking about rest, and and I thought it was a perfect, as he was saying this, this this occurred to me, you know, because I I started that conversation with talking about John the Baptist and how he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And after he was killed, and how that was kind of the period at the end of the Old Testament, Jesus said, come away and rest. And as you were talking about that, Pastor Brian, it just made me think, there's such a, the message of the new covenant is really to rest. It's to rest from your works in the finished work. You know, Hebrews chapter four is a huge chapter that talks about that and explains it, um, that God is, that there is therefore still a place of rest for the people of God. And so I thought, wow, what a, what a, what an interesting 
What an interesting thing. If this is, if, you know, if my understanding of this is, is accurate, you know, we see John the Baptist die. The Old Testament is fully closed. And now Jesus, what's he start out with? The Old Testament was what? It was all works. It was work. It was do do good and maybe get good, you know, do bad, get bad. It was work. It was work for your righteousness. It was never stop working. It was pursue, chase, work, strive. That was that was the relationship with God in the Old Testament. But now something has shifted and the first thing Jesus says is, hey, now rest. I just think that that's powerful. I think that when when we look at the new covenant and what God has called us to do, we've got Jesus has done all the work. The rest is now available to us. The work is finished, and now we can abide in him. And from that, we're empowered to do all the work we're called to do to spread his name. That's cool. He said, go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Right after that, yeah. he sent them over there to go yeah. do some stuff. Let's he, go do he, some he stuff in that rest. Yeah. yeah, In that place of strength, let's go do it. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll uh, see you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.